Welcome to Football Bloody Hell. On the show tonight, we've got Paul Thorpe, Hilda Pryor, Steve Rutter, Ricky Hyatt, and little old me. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Football Bloody Hell. Well, let's introduce our guests tonight. Um, Rick Hyatt's joined us. Hi, Rick. Evening. Hilda's here. Hello, Hello Hilda. Hello, everybody. And Steve Rutter's here. All right, Steve? Yeah, very good, thank you. Uh, and I'm here. So um, the question is, listeners, how many of you spotted last week's, uh, what should we call it, a blunder? Maybe. How many of you listened halfway through and thought, hang on a minute, this isn't the right show? And uh, you would be right, because it wasn't the right show. We had terrible technical problems last week, which forced we? us... Yes, we did. Which forced us to, sadly, abandon ship in the middle of the recording and use last week's. But hopefully, this week will be OK. Well, so, we've got an apt podcast title, so I'm sure it fits. <laughs> what is it, then? Oh, what, well, the fo- fact that we're called Football Bloody Hell, it'll be fine, that'll cover it. Yeah, it will, won't it? It will, won't it? Um, I hate to do this to you, but I think uh, the, starting, the starting button needs to be really um, good old Richard Arnold and his little uh, taking the boys down the pub. Did you uh, read about that over the weekend? I saw the video. Ah, was it good? It's pretty much pretty ordinary. It's just nice to hear him being a bit realistic about what's been going on at the club for a little while, but... Yeah, it didn't really reveal that much, but it's it's a different approach to what Ed Woodward would have done, hiding under the bed, <laughs> to actually go out and, and meet the fellas. Yeah, quite. Well, he, he he's obviously got a good sort of um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, um, message system that uh, somebody had the decency to ring him up and see there's a whole load of people coming round with banners and stuff down to your house in a minute. Mm. But um, you know, I mean, he <clears throat> he does seem a pretty down to earth sort of broke, and let's face it. After what we've had over the last uh, however many years it is, uh, it, he could be very refreshingly good, I think. I don't know what you think. Hilda, what do you reckon? The bar's pretty low, isn't it? Yeah. Um, for, for potential <coughs> listeners like me, who I don't think I've seen this story, can you just elaborate on what you're actually talking about? Well, Richard Arnold's the chief executive <laughs> of uh, Man United. What are you on about, Adrian? I think, I think I did see a quote about him saying about how... Um, how much money had been spent? Oh, well, I think he put it in a different way. Is how is what yeah. the quote was that I read. But that's all I read. I didn't see about um, this pub visit. Were you suggesting? Yeah, because basically there, there a whole I don't know how many I think twenty odd supporters were going to roll up outside his house with loads of banners, glazers out, etc., etc. Oh, I see. And he got, he got wind of it and went down to the pub and took them down the pub and bought them a drink and answered their questions, but. Unbeknown to him, it was videoed, and then of course, needless to say, the video went out onto the um, social media. That's always the risk now, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. But he did seem, well, I thought anyway, quite sort of reasonable, down to earth, and um, well, he seems to have satisfied them anyway. But you know, 
I don't know. What do you what do you feel? I mean, is that the sort of thing that you could see Liverpool's chief executive doing? Uh, um, probably probably not. But then saying that, I mean, I guess it's easy for me to say as a Liverpool fan. But obviously, when you look at transfers and how the club's been run, particularly in the last five six years or, or so, it's been quite successful and been reflected as such. Um, on the pitch, but I guess at this stage, the only thing that Richard Arnold can really do is kind of talk the talk at this stage. Um, whilst um, we're, we've only just sort of gone into the transfer market now and everything's open, and now it's time to walk the walk, isn't it? So I guess time will tell come the end of the window. But the fact that he's spoken about from the quotes that I've seen, the money that's been spent already and the money's been wasted, I don't know if that will make him more cautious with the money that's available or just means that the money will be available, but they've got to get it right. Well, he did say so that... It'll be a football decision, be a football decision <laughs> where it's spent rather than it being mm. a Instagram shirt sales nonsense sort of decision. But I think he was perhaps a little bit, uh, uh, bit gung-ho by saying that, that there's 200 million and the money's there for, for Eric to go out and buy his players because... You know, by saying that, then presumably Barcelona are going to dig their heels in now on Dion. Yeah, and not only that, aid two hundred million could be what two players in this market. Well, it could be, yeah. If that's yeah. the kind of standard of player you want, mm. you might need more. We well, might do. One I think. thing, one thing he said that was quite, I thought was quite revealing, was saying about how, oh no, no, the the sponsors. Why are you getting at the sponsors? And like legitimate protests in the ground are one thing, protesting against the club about the owners. Oh no, but leave the sponsors alone, which would indicate to me that the protests against the sponsors are actually working. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So, what do you think, Steve? I mean, you're neutral in these sort of situations. Yeah, I have noticed a slight bit of bias when we get into the <laughs> Liverpool Man United conversations. Yeah. Um, but being a Stoke supporter, I can't say too much, can I? I suppose so. Um, no, I mean. First of all, you don't want him turning up at your house, do you? No. So, so I think from purely and simply from his family point of view, it was it was good that he decided to do something different. Um, I can't believe for a moment that he never expected it to be filmed by somebody and put out on social media. Mm. And that was probably part of the thinking behind it. Look how grounded I am. Look how down to earth I am. I can connect with the people. Um, and, you know, he may be a wonderful fellow. I don't know him from Adam. Um, but he's got a big selling job to do, I think, with Manchester United. And... Um, you know, it's probably not a bad start, is it? He's, as you say, he's come across as very humble, a man of the people. Um, but as we keep saying, you know, time will tell. Mm, yeah, yeah, definitely. But I, you know, I, you just wonder whether the pressure is beginning to build now on the Glazers because they apparently, I think I read somewhere that the press, sorry, the, the share price went uh, yeah. walkabouts uh, over the weekend, I think, or, or just before, uh, and lost them potentially a lot of money. Um, and with all this sort of pressure coming on now, is this finally going to be the, the you know the the, the last uh, brick in the wall, as it were, to get them out? Thing is, he did say that um, they were completely um, immune to public opinion and supporters' opinion and things like that, and they basically didn't care and would do what they wanted to do and carry on doing that. So I'm not sure. Well, if you take them at face value that's a bad thing but if he feels the need to mention it as mm. with the sponsors it just does make you think that maybe there are cracks appearing hopefully mm. don't know time will tell well yeah it'd be nice but moving on to the sort of the playing side i mean 
you know, I'm getting extremely annoyed uh, and impatient that something should happen. Uh, nothing's happened yet. I know people will say, well, the, the window's open till September, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, you know, they've had all this, they've had three months roughly since they knew that, that Ten Hag was coming in, I would have thought. Surely by now they would have got their, their you know, their bottles lined up and, and been negotiating for weeks, not just suddenly leave it to the last minute now. Because, um, I mean, De Jong's been going on for, how long has that been going on for now? That's at least three weeks, if not a month. Well, it doesn't take that long to agree a price on a player, does it? Steve? <laughs> Go on, Steve. <laughs> well, I mean... What goes, first, what goes into all, it? Yeah, I mean, we've said this before. They're no longer first in the pecking order. No. And haven't been for a, for a period of time now. So players aren't going to, you know, agitate for a move to Manchester United if Barcelona and Juventus and Bayern Munich and other Man City and Liverpool are interested. Um, so things do take longer. Um they're not in a position, you know, it's not like signing somebody from Macclesfield Town or somewhere, with all due respect, where the player's going to, you know, walk there on his hands and knees. So it's, it is difficult. And there are so many people involved in the processes now and so many people trying to make money out of the deals that they are all very, very convoluted and difficult processes. Uh, and you won't get anything done in the hole. Have you, have you uh, you know, in your position as manager, co-manager, whatever it was, have you ever actually sat in on... Um on a, a transfer negotiation for a new player? Yeah, yeah, constantly do it. You know, and, and you'll get to a stage, you'll even get to the stage where they're flying in to put pen to paper and they get a telephone call as soon as they land at the airport or their agent does and they redirect and get back on the next flight and fly off to somewhere else. Um, and you find out when they don't turn up for the meeting. So, yeah, and, and that's, you know, it's not the level we're talking about with Man United, but it's certainly, you know, senior European leagues, professional players coming from one big league to another, um, and stuff like that is, a, you know, is a regular occurrence. Mm. Rick, what do you reckon to the, the names that are being banded around at the moment? I mean, Ericsson, De Jong, Timber and Anthony. Don't see a defensive midfielder in there. No. Which, when you consider that's what the club have been screaming out for for uh, at least three or four seasons now, since Matic signed, yeah. um, that's a, that's the the hole that clearly needs uh, needs sorting out. But I mean, the De Jong one I can understand because Ten Hag's worked with him before, and he's not pulled up any trees at Barcelona because Busquets is still playing, and he's not going to get in the team as long as he's there. So that's a doable deal. Timber's not going to happen now because of. Uh, Louis the failure, yeah. Putting the putting his uh, two penneth in, but then that's probably just delayed for another season. But I don't know. There's nothing really that, but that might be a good thing. There's nothing that grabs you in a headline sort of transfer. And we've seen where signing the likes of Lukaku, Pogba, Sancho, making the big gestures where that's got United so far. So maybe you know it's actually more structured and there's more to it, and they're better value signings. So. I don't know. I'll wait and see. Keep the powder dry for a minute. He hasn't made a mistake yet. That's a good thing. What do you think? Not sign someone rubbish. No. Um, no. Rick. Rick makes a good point. I mean, maybe they're trying to take a little bit of a um, sort of lesson out of their own book, really, as to what's happened over the last eighteen months, two years or so. Because at the same time, you're not just going out chucking money at this, that, and whoever, and then just hoping that that player then fits the system that you're actually 
waiting to look to see that what actually can work with um, Ten Hag coming in now that you've invested in him being the new man to obviously take them forward. I mean, some of the players that you've been linked with, like I say, it's this always happens when new managers come into squads. They end if they've just come from a club. You'll normally find that two, three of the players that they used to play under them are then the first players that get linked with them. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, with that relationship there, I guess that kind of makes it easier to try and get them through the door, possibly. Um, but I think what we tend to forget, though, and I know that as fans, particularly in this day and age, we want that big money signing and we want to see people coming through the door to look like you're competing. But if Ten Hag's a really good coach and some of these players that haven't quite worked out at Man United at the moment mm-hmm. might get a better uh, level of coaching and then before you know it, playing into a bit more of a structured system and suddenly those signings don't look like bad signings. So I still expect Jason Sancho to be a really good signing for United, for example. No, do you reckon he'll get uh, Anthony Martial out of his deck chair and actually uh, up and running about? Well, I guess players like Martial might be a little bit different because once you've had how many managers has Martial had now? Mm-hmm. I, I think back to when um, Brendan Rodgers decided to bring in Mario Balotelli. Like I think some managers are guilty in thinking that, that they're the one that is going to change a um, player's way of thinking yeah. and 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 sort of being that man that's going to change it all. I mean, you look at Ravel Morrison. How many people have? decided that they're going to yeah. be the one to turn his fortunes around and then it doesn't quite ha- mm. happen. Maybe it's too far gone for Martial, I don't know. But then, reassuring of the contract he was on, they might yeah. want to get that's, big, that's bigger why, money for him that might yeah, not come no one in. Can, no one can buy him because no one's, no one's mm. going to... He's on 200 grand a week and he's not worth 200 grand a week. But the one reassuring thing about his, his loan move to Sevilla is the fact that he's been rubbish over there. So it doesn't mean that United are at fault. The fault yeah. is is clearly with the players, so which isn't great, but at least it's slightly reassuring that, you know, it's it's down to him. Having said all that, I, I mean the, United well, have got hey, a... I think the fault is with the club. I think the fault's with the club in buying him so? in the first buying oh, him in yeah. the first place. It's like Nicholas yeah, yeah. Pepe at Manchester at Arsenal. You know, they shell out an absolute shed load of money for somebody who's performed in the league that everybody knows is not of the same calibre of the league over here. And then when they don't, when they come over here and can't perform, it's like, oh, um, well, we thought you were better than that. Well, well, this is Steve. This is this is exactly the reason that the Glazers are pants because his Martial Mourinho wanted Martial out. Joel Glazer wouldn't let United sell him because he was his favourite player. Yeah. Oh, and that's why go. they shouldn't be running a football club. No, absolutely. Because ultimately, you know, it's like everything, isn't it? You, you spend money on something that's a better quality to get a better return. That's the normal philosophy. But they've just been shelling out money, and not just them. I mean, I'm just looking at the Lukaku situation with, you know, changing subject slightly. They pay 95 and what, 97 and a half million for him, and he's going out on an eight and a half million pound loan deal. So mm. that's really good business, isn't it? Mm. Um, you know, and we just have this this history in England of just throwing money at players who look okay in okay leagues, and then they come across here and don't deliver, and everybody's surprised. And well, then they move. Recruitment better. Then they move back into Europe and are outstanding. And, and they do okay. Do you think? Do you think Chelsea? Do, have, do you think Chelsea have done the right thing though with that? Because it's kind of a similar situation in terms of big money signing hasn't worked out, but they are actually doing something about it, regardless of the money that they're obviously going to be making a loss on, rather than him staying 
and then his career might get worse. Chelsea might not bring anyone in because they're persevering with him and it still doesn't work out. So are you with Chelsea for what they've done in terms of the situation they're in at the moment? Or do you think they probably should have tried to give it another 12 months? Yeah, the problem you have, if he's packed his bags and decided he doesn't want to play because it's too cold in London or they don't show him enough love or whatever it is, then you may as well cut your losses and get rid of them as soon as possible. Get them out the door. They ain't going to deliver. And and the reality is they just pay over the odds because we get hyped up. And I know when I was in Holland and um, I can't remember, what was the name? Jensen, who went to Tottenham. Remember Vincent Jensen? Um, I thought you meant John Jensen, then. I think (laughs) they they wanted five million for him and Tottenham ended up paying him something like 25 or 30 million. Because Tottenham went in with an offer of like double what they asked for, like so we'd be ten million, and they thought, oh, we'll just chance our army. And they said, oh, is that all? And they, well, without them, you yeah. know, without them even fighting the corner, they said, oh, we'll give you twenty-five. And so the English clubs, we just throw money away for fun. I think he's playing in Mexico now, Steve. In Mexico, <laughs> Monterrey or somewhere in Mexico. You know, I'm not saying they always get it wrong because they don't, but I'm just not sure. They all get sucked into it. Juventus want him, AC Milan want him, Bayern Munich want him. We've got more money, let's buy it. And they just get dragged into this like bidding war and end up with something that turns out to be a pub. And they do it time and time again. Well, to quote another name, Pellestrini, um, Uruguayan guy that United signed. He's been out on yeah. loan all season. Um, showed a couple of games. He played, played about two or three games, I think, right at the start of last season. Looked quite good, but no, he was gone. Now, we paid £35 million for him, and he's played two, maybe three games How for the much? club. Thirty-five million, <coughs> but he was signed with the caveat that they weren't expecting anything from him for a couple of years. Yeah, but he's there now to come back, and hopefully, and the same with Diallo. I mean, we uh, we paid about the same for him, I think, something like that, wasn't yeah. it? I think you're right, but I still don't know why it started in the first place. Anyway, right, we leave it in. He leave it in because it's funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, going back to what I was saying before, I was so rudely interrupted. Um, by yourself by your own yeah. <laughs> and then of course we've got Garner who has had a really good season at Nottingham Forest who um, well quite good I think you know potentials there anyway so you know are we getting in a state or am I getting in a state because of no transfers mm. when I don't need to when you've got players like that knocking yes. about that might might well come up with the goods yes yes what that's what you expected if you're yeah. expecting them to be challenging for the title start panicking if you're not expecting them to be challenging for the title, you can relax. I better, I better Sorry, relax then. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's put that to bed. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on, next. Right. <laughs> next. Talk about Liverpool for a change. We haven't talked no, about them yet. We've got one more thing to do yet before we leave United alone. Um, okay. Mr Arnold, during his little uh, forthcoming chat in the pub, uh, actually said that the two sources of, um, as it were, spies within the uh, dressing room have now left the club. Oh, I wonder who they were. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, you and I probably can name them straight away, but we'll see whether Hilda and Steve would like to have a, a guess. Was this as in players? Well, there was... The players that were leaking stories. So who do you think? So Polk was presumably one of them. Mm-hmm. Paul, yes. And I'm now trying to think who else has left Man United this summer. Or He's a very not necessarily promising this summer. young player for the last 23 years. Steve, am I being stupid? Oh, I don't know. It's a cryptic clue there somewhere. 
It's like a matty to a matter or something like that. It's got to be. No, 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 no. It, it's it's someone who everyone thinks is about seventeen and is actually pushing forty-five. Jay Lings. Oh, okay. Is he um? Is he finally picked a club yet? No. I think so. But he's left the club in terms of so he he won't be spilling any more beans anyway. Interesting though, nonetheless. Interesting. That is alleged. Never thought it was those two. That is the alleged. Oh yeah, yeah, alleged. Yeah. Yeah. Just, have, just any you, have any of you caught the documentary yet on uh, Amazon Prime? I saw the first episode last night. Um, you know, self-indulgent crap. I imagine the rest of it's going to be. So I've but... not watched it yet, but I, I. I, it really irks me that they've not called it pogumentary. They've called it pogmentary. I mean, that's so bad. Yeah. Like, it's right there to call it pogumentary. Yeah, yeah. What are they doing? <laughs> that's, well, that's your biggest concern, is it? That's my concern. That's all you I took from it so far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but as a, as a bin dipper, you're going to watch that and just crease up laughing because the mockery he's made of United in the, that second signing is just ridiculous. It should never have happened. Yeah. Is he off to Juventus now? That look yeah. like likely. I think you'll find happen? that out in the last episode, probably. Yeah. Oh, I see. Well, there's a big reveal. Yeah. yeah <laughs> well, it's only it's half half an hour episode, bit... isn't it? Yeah. My Ola said, didn't he? Apparently, there was a quote, and he said when he was talking to Ferguson the first time round, and Ferguson said to him, "I think you've got an inflated sense of your cap of your clients' abilities." <laughs> you know, oh. and, and that's that's the sort of management you need. Somebody who's prepared to say no. It ain't that good, you know. They're saying, oh, they didn't make him an offer that we reflected his abilities or something. They offered him 300 grand a week. Mm. 300 grand a week, yeah. They put any money on the table and show him any respect. Get a life. Yeah. Sorry, you got me ranting now. I'm going to have a rant. Go on, go on, come on, have a a rant now. (laughs) He's put his glasses on. He's got some stats with him. Do you know, everybody says he was brilliant at Juventus. He played an average of 28 games a season at Juventus. Oh, no, sorry, he played. He scored 28 goals in 124 games at Juventus. He scored 29 in 154 games at Manchester United since he came back. He's played, on average, 25 games a season, and Manchester United have played, on average, 49, 50 games a season. So he's never contributed for more than half a season in the whole time he's been here, and he scored one goal this season. Yep. And £300,000 a week wasn't showing him any respect. He is in dreamland. I wouldn't pay him in buttons. I think, personally, Paul Pogba represents everything that is wrong with the modern game. Yeah, spot on. Yeah, well. I'm not going to add too much more to that. I no, think we're all in agreement. No. Yep. But, I mean, if That'll you... If you... <laughs> yeah. I mean, if he now, boys are after yeah. him. he's yeah. been slaughtered on this podcast. Listen, be absolutely listen to, <laughs> listen to this, on, Paul. Take this with you to you to leave. I'll send him an email telling him to make sure he watches. Um, having said all that, though, um, it's basically a load of self-indulgent rubbish, the first episode is, anyway. I, I've only got through the first one. But... I thought you meant this podcast. How can you say such a thing? <laughs> well, we Wash your mouth up with soap or water. I'll tell you that for free. <laughs> Sorry, very informative football chat. Right, well, here's something informative, then. Who Stop. the hell is Christophe Galtier? Ah, so was he the was he the Lille manager, Steve, when they won the league last season? Um, no, that, was that Galtier? Is he at Nice now, or somewhere? Yeah, I think he went from 
Lille to Lille. Nice, didn't he? Lille to Nice, did he? I think, I think so. I think that's why I know that name. Yeah. Well, so apparently... he's kind of done it in the French league, and maybe yeah. this is you. actually the type of signing that they need now, Aid, because they've gone through everybody else and it hasn't worked in terms of their Champions League um, credentials. So maybe they'll actually save a bit of money by doing this. Well, and, apparently um, Zidane turned them down because he wants to wait and see if he can get the manager of... Um... Uh, Spain, I think France. it was. Oh, was it France? France, was it? probably. Uh, France, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Probably more interested in the French job, eh? Yeah, well, he's a bit French, isn't he? Got yeah. a bit of French blood in him. Or yeah. Algeria, one or the other. Yeah. Don't see him going to Algeria, do you? Come on. You're having a laugh, aren't you? Well, just saying, just saying. Oh, just yeah, saying. isn't he one of those um, French imports, if that's the right... Zidane, yeah. Race, yeah. Mixed heritage. Got to be so careful what you say these days, but yeah. <laughs> He's of a, a, Algerian descent. Right, well, um, moving on, um, just looking at Arsenal overall, um, <laughs> which is always difficult to watch, but um, who's this bloke, Matt Turner, who refused to sign a Tottenham shirt? I mean, what does he think he's doing? Who is he? Explain the story. Yeah, well, I don't know that He's an Australian, I think, and apparently right. he signed in for Arsenal and he right. was uh, asked to sign by a supporter a Tottenham shirt. But he's going to right. be signing for Arsenal and we all know how much Arsenal fans hate Tottenham. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I see. Did he voluntarily sign the Spurs shirt? No, he didn't. He refused to sign it. Of course, suddenly he's become an absolute star at Arsenal because he had the audacity oh, to turn see. down the request for a Spurs shirt. Right. You see. Well, that's the that's the that's the social media world that everybody loves now, which is that kind of story because it gives an opportunity for somebody to tweet about it and for all the fans to go, yeah, he's one of us now, look, he's yeah. done that. Mm. And that's kind of the world we live in now, as Rick was alluding to, where everyone kind of loves that sort of stuff now. Well, you only need to look at, um, you're all on Twitter, aren't you? Or are you you're all familiar with Twitter, that a lot of the clubs now, so top-level Premier League, <laughs> <They're>, um, <laughs> they... Um, they kind of go to that way of thinking now as well, and they often tweet each other little um, little sarky comments because it gets their likes up for their followers. It's just all very kind of for the camera show, isn't it, on online, and that's just a story that kind of adheres to that, really. Steve, just, just a quick one. It doesn't matter how much you rub it, mate, it ain't going to come back. What's that? I'm just scratching my head. The barley, Thinking, yeah. How did, we, how did we end up talking about somebody wouldn't sign a shirt? <laughs> well, I just chucked it in. For that, I was Hilda's thinking, I, I felt I felt sorry for Christophe Gautier, because so far we've told the listeners his name, and then we moved yeah. on. And I didn't find anything about him. <laughs> well, it's a question of whether the listeners are, are alert enough to better pick up on the, the clues that we've given them, i.e. Zidane. Uh, have we given them any other clues? Uh, not, well, France, I suppose. But... Uh, <laughs> He's he's likely to be the PSG manager, for those of you who don't know. Likely, I say, but I don't know if he's signed a deal yet or not. 
Do you, do you think that's what it is, though, Steve, that it's, probably, it's a cheaper option in terms of um, the superstar managers that they've had in the past who hasn't given them the Champions League and someone who's obviously got that French League experience, but maybe they just might be better coached this way and it might work out on a cheaper level? Well, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because, again, it's, not, it's a bit of a poison chalice, isn't it? Because you've got to win the Champions League and you've yeah. got... It's a very, very difficult ask at the start of a season. Say you're going to win it, whoever you, whoever you get into the into the club, you know, as players, um, winning the French league is not going to save him if he's on a two or three year contract, as you find out with Pochettino. Um, and it really, if they've still got the player power that they say they've had over the last few years, and it can only have increased now with Messi going there as well as Neymar and Mbappe, then any manager who goes in there, you just might as well just toss a coin and pray. Because it don't matter how good a coach you are, they're doing what they want. The power that Mbappe's got over there at the moment, that nobody could become manager without his say-so Yeah. anyway. So he's got, if you bring in somebody like that, obviously he's got Mbappe's seal of approval. So that's the first hurdle. Yeah. Dumped, probably. Uh, can you think of any business in the world that would run no. itself on that sort of basis, though? It just yeah. doesn't happen, does it? No, it's just no, We'll pay Football you... is a law unto itself. It is. Yeah, we'll pay you lots and lots of money. You do as you're told, or we'll stop paying you lots and lots of money. <laughs> and yeah. we won't let you play anywhere else. Yeah. You know? But it's, it's mad. It's absolutely barking mad. Because imagine? in football, they'll say that, and then somebody will say, oh, no, if you don't behave, we'll sell you to someone else who will pay you lots and lots of money. Yeah. So, how but does that a, can you imagine if he's dangerously out of form by Christmas or if he breaks his leg in pre-season or something? Like, just how bad <laughs> that would be on, on the owners of PSG. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we wouldn't want anything nasty to happen to the owners of PSG or Man City, would we? No, of course not. Of course not. No, don't see how you could See, they've been caught out by, um, was it Barcelona or Real Madrid or both, mm. calling out um, the, the league, sports watchman? Was it the league? Yeah. Javier Yeah. Interesting, though, isn't it? Very interesting. Just going back to Arsenal, do you think they're going to sign uh, Jesus? Is it Spurs or Chelsea are trying to hijack that that one at the moment? Because it's always Arsenal's been the name that's been in the frame for for a little while. I think one of the other clubs in London is uh, is looking to try and hijack it. So I don't know. Yeah, I think they said Tottenham, didn't they? Because of Champions yeah, League, so. they can offer him Champions League football and Arsenal can't. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And he could sign a Tottenham shirt then and nobody would get cross about it. <laughs> I think it'd be a good signing. Well, of course, the, apparently they're also after Morata, I've read today. So, uh, whether he's good oh, enough... Absolute waste of time. Yeah. You reckon, do you? 12 months somewhere, moves on. What's the point? Well, I remember a manager used to do that, but we won't go into that now. But he got some good money for it, for sure. Um, uh, Chelsea. He's not talking about you, Steve. <laughs> no, no. Got you good money. <laughs> the managers are available. It's not all Steve Wright's Um Yeah, I was going to say about Chelsea. I mean, you know, radio. pun. Nothing. Oh, right. Um, they, they've, um, you know, they've done this takeover now. This new bloke's in charge, and. Uh, they don't seem to be doing much, do they? I mean, I, I kind of rather expected that they would start, you know, getting into the to the uh, the the groove in terms of signings. The only thing I've seen is they're trying to get um, uh, what's his name, Sterling, Raheed Sterling. What do we think of that? 
I guess they've had to concentrate on what's going to happen with Lukaku, really, because we're talking such a big asset and such big money. Once they know what's happening with that, it will probably uh, free up what they can do with the rest. But this stuff with Sterling, though, I think it'd be a really good signing for Chelsea, but I'd be really surprised if City let him go. But it looks like that they might be quite happy to do that. I know City have signed Haaland. I'm sharply. I don't miss anything. But uh, are they really going to let Jesus and Sterling go on the back of an injury-prone centre-forward with a different style of play? Can't see both of them leaving. Well, then there's talk about Bernardo Silva going as well, who's another sort of up-front player, isn't he? Well, and, and Gundogan, but he's slightly further back. But it'd be interesting to see who does stay. They'll end up with Mares, Grealish and Haaland up front. And Phil Foden. Yeah, don't forget him. Yeah, not so bad, we're not exactly going to be correct, are they? Mm. <laughs> the other thing for Chelsea, Aid, is that they lose Azpilicueta, they lose Christensen, they've lost Rudiger. If they lose all three centre-backs, then actually they've already got Havertz, they've already got Timo Werner, Christian Pulisic, Hakim Ziyech. They've got quite a lot going the other way. So I think maybe they need to prioritise getting centre-back in. Mm. Yeah, well, Alonso's supposed to be on the move as well, isn't he? Alonso, yeah. How's Thiago Silva? 37 now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they've left themselves really short of options defensively. Oh, but weren't their hands tied because of the freezing of Abramovich assets? They couldn't offer those guys new contracts even if they wanted to. Well, so that's a little bit, a little bit hard. Yeah. Real Madrid, Barcelona, they've already agreed deals and they're off. So they've got to do something about replacing them. Mm. I wouldn't worry too much about signing... Jesus or anybody else, they really like Steve said. They need, they've got a whole new, but Chilwell, Reese James, and no one in the middle. Yeah, they've got to sort that out before they do anything else. Oh, good. It's nice to see they've got a problem. Um, what about Lukaku? (laughs) Do we think he's going to go to Inter Valley? Surely he is, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. Inevitable, isn't it? It's just a matter of exactly what form the deal takes. Yeah. I remember right. Didn't he start talking about it in the winter transfer window? It was yes, one, he did. Was an interview, yeah. was it? Usually in an international week or something. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. That's usually where these things start, isn't it? Yeah, he did some did some interview for Sky Italy or something. I think it was where he said he was missing what he was. Yeah, but if you know, if he does go, what is it? The expression is, is you should never go back. I mean. You know, he, he could be making a huge mistake if he goes back and then he just can't reproduce the goals like he did last season because he was pretty phenomenal last season, wasn't he? He couldn't stop scoring. You know, but I don't know. What do you boys think? Uh, it's in a unique situation, isn't he? Because for the never go back, well, he would have done it twice, wouldn't he? Because obviously this yeah. was the second time he went back to Chelsea. And Chelsea it yeah. yeah, well, it's, so, it's come back to haunt him at Chelsea. Is it going to haunt him again at, at uh, Inter Yeah, quite, quite, quite possibly. I think... I think why he, from what I can work out, why he did that interview is that a lot of the Inter fans were obviously understandably unhappy the way that he left. But I think it was because um, he had gone on record as saying that he wanted to stay at Inter and was quite happy to renew his contract. But I was listening to Andy Brassel, who does the one of the European expert um, journalists, and he was saying that 
Lukaku was committed to Inter, but Inter then turned around to Lukaku and said, well, actually, we could do with the money now. And they sold Hakimi and a few others that actually won them the title. So Lukaku just turned around and said, well, OK, then, if you want to you want to sell me, then sell me. And I think he then wanted to clarify his position, but then did so, went about it all the wrong way. And then following from that point, his form dipped. I mean, people correlate that interview with his form dipping, but... I think his form was sort of in and out long before then anyway. It's never a good than, fit, was it, really? No, other than the first... From a football point of view. Was it, he made his debut against Arsenal and scored two goals, and you thought, hello, this is this is the Lukaku that everybody's been waiting for. And then it just it just tailed off. And he's 29 now, and you think, he, where has all, all those years gone? He peaked at West Brom. That's the trouble. Yeah, and it's it's been downhill ever since. Oh, yeah, I forgot mm. about that, Lou. Yeah. yeah, five five four, wasn't it, Rick? When he got all four five goals, all draw, wasn't it? Five all uh, draw, five yeah. all draw, five all draw, last game yeah. of the season. Yeah, well, maybe just... that's the answer. Go to Steve Bruce's West Brom for a season and get oh. <laughs> try and try and beat Mitrovic's record. <laughs> yeah, well, that is a good point. Going to take some doing. Just coming in, at a, at a, you know, at a tangent. Is he going to do the same for Fulham this year in the Premiership as he did for them in the Championship? Surely well, not, last, at that level, not at that last, level, no. No, last time Fulham came up, he did the same thing in the Championship, then spent a season in the Premier Leagues virtually on the bench, then they got mm. relegated, and he's done it again in the Championship. So it depends whether the manager wants to give him the opportunity, really. Mm. Well, certainly, if, if he spent last time on the bench, he's certainly not going to take kindly to it if they start again and leave him on the bench, yeah. is he? But that's what happened, because I was expecting more more from him last time, but he, he barely played. Mm. Yeah. So, but this season, he wasn't just good, he was absolutely smashing it. I mean, he broke the record by quite a bit, didn't he? Yeah. I think. 30, 38 goals or something, was it? Something like that. Yeah, it was a, it was a long record. Uh, by all accounts, but mm. like Rick says, if he gets five Premier League goals last season, you wouldn't be su- um, next season. You wouldn't be at all yeah. surprised. It's not going in my fantasy team, that's for sure. <laughs> oh. No bottle then, Rick. Obviously, um, you heard it here first. <laughs> if we if we assume just for a minute, for the purposes of this program, that Manchester City, Liverpool, Chelsea are not repeat, not going to win the Premier League. Who is? And I'm going to come in first because I don't want anyone to pinch my selection. Uh, and I'm just going to say as a dark horse, Aston Villa. Because I think he's bought a couple of I don't of think players. anyone would have stolen your thunder with that one. <laughs> you were quite safe with that one, eh? <laughs> OK, then. Well, I'm going to stick to it anyway. So I reckon Aston Villa. Are you, are you quite happy to state on record on your radio station that you're... You're predicting that Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa might be the dark horse for the Premier League. Can you just confirm that? Yeah, I'm quite prepared to. <laughs> and, on, and in second wow. place, Man United, because I think they're going to do far better than everybody's predicting. So, yeah, that, that does come with the caveat that City, the Bin Dippers, and Chelsea don't finish in the top three. Actually. That's quite <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I know that, but I'm just, you know, I'm just. Just trying to generate conversation. That's all, dear boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's done that. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Um, 
I think I he's think under he probably... a little bit of pressure, Gerard. Maybe not to the extent of winning the Premier League. I don't know. But I think the fact that, obviously, he's come in with a big reputation from turning it around in Scotland and they've they've not been shy in spending some money. Where I think if... I think a few fans were a little bit underwhelmed with how the season just sort of tailed out. So I think he's under a little bit of pressure that they'll probably still spend again. They've got Coutinho on a full-term contract now. So their squad does look exciting. Um, but again, they're probably one of those teams that have got a really good starting eleven. But then when you start to layer it back beneath that, when you get injuries and suspensions, it might catch up with them possibly. But there's certainly... Uh, positions to compete for when you look at that Wolves position, the Leicester position, possibly West Ham. I wouldn't be too surprised if they were certainly sort of pushing to be in around that. Steve, who do you think is going to come runners up to Aston Villa in the Premier League next season? Wigan. <laughs> oh no, they're not in it, are they, anymore? I remember now. They got like, they got years ago. No, I think it could be Tottenham. They might come close to finishing second. But they are Tottenham. Yeah, I think they might yeah. win it. If you've got to go for somebody outside, the one of the two that's obviously going to win it, if we've got to sort yeah. of like oh, yeah. come completely yeah. like sky fi and blue sky thinking and all that, I'll go for Tottenham. And why? Why? What in particular makes you go for Tottenham? There must be a reason behind Conte. it. Conte. Yeah. I think he's recruitment. He bought his Bissouma from Brighton. Um, good, good business. Now. A lot more mobility in midfield. He bought Perisic. We've got Perisic in our free transfer, didn't he? Yeah, um, yeah. got Fraser Forster in to back up in the goalkeeping department. Yeah, that's a good. Go. That's good backup. I think, and he's a very well organised coach, very disciplined, and I think he will get them. He'll, he'll get them very close. They're in the Champions League. That's the only thing they've got the extra thing with the yeah. Champions League. But I think he'll probably get a few more in before the season starts. Well, it's his, his second season, isn't it? Second yeah. transfer window, rather. Yeah. So he's had. He can bring in the players that suit his style yeah, and yeah. his way of playing the game. So uh, yeah. yeah. And I think that'll be close. Okay, so we've got Aston Villa and Spurs so far there. Hilda? So, I kind of um, agree with Steve to an extent because. No, you can't do that. Effect... You've got to be original. Oh, I can't do that. All right, okay. You've got to Fine. be original. Um, uh, who's, who's left? <laughs> I don't, I don't real, really have that much confidence in Arsenal I don't think I mean I think that they're they're obviously a young team but they've been told they've been told they're a young team for two or three years now so now's the time where that young team becomes the team but you still fear that there probably is too many inconsistencies in there um, but I'm probably going to have to go for them because they're still better than the rest other than the ones that you've already selected <laughs> what, do you think they're better than Man United? What a nerve. Oh, of course, you didn't pick Man United, did you? No. Um, I still don't know what to make of the United, to be honest. Um, so you had that season under Ollie where they finished second and then it all fell apart and by quite some distance as well. There were some big defeats in there and money splashed around, as we've been talking about. I don't know. I think... I don't. I don't want to pick United. I can't pick United. So Arsenal. That's uh, a long okay. way of answering that question. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Rick. There's, no, there's nothing left. <laughs> um, Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace. Well, 
Crystal Palace will finish one. above Aston Villa, put it that way. Right. Ooh. And and the team that, as we all know, the team that finishes above Aston Villa are going to win the Premier League. So, well, just on not... just on that subject, where do we all think Newcastle are going to finish this season? Do we think it's too early for them to pull the punches um, on the on the big signings, or do you still think they'll have enough to sort of lead push into the top ten? Do you think that's what they'll be looking at an achievable target this season? If they got any sense, they will, because if they don't want to stretch themselves beyond that, but. They're probably going to join that group of Leicester, Wolves, yeah. You know, that you know that are just outside the top top five. Wolves is an interesting one, really, because you know they haven't done too bad this season. Tailed off a little bit near the end, didn't they? But um, they're supposed to be buying another Portuguese player. Uh, <laughs> you surprised me. Yeah, well, you know, I heard the whole of the country. It's gonna, but you know, I just wonder whether they're dark horses as well. Yeah, but I mean, I don't personally rate them at all. But uh, you know, you can't argue the figures. Again, can you? again, they're one of those teams, Aid, where their first eleven's not too bad, and then you just wonder mm. if they can sustain it over, yeah. obviously, that longer period. And they've got quite a few older players, like Matinho's still in their midfield, isn't he? he must be yeah. what, 35, 36 yeah. now. 36, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that might be a bit harsh. There's literally just one player I'm thinking of and I'm calling him an ageing squad, yeah. but I'm sure no, there probably the, is the, others. Sias has gone, only the centre-back. Roman Sias has moved to Besiktas or I think somewhere like that. Oh, OK. Who's, who's, been, who's been a stalwart along with Connor Cody at the back. and Yeah, that probably an evolution. Even there since his injury be, as well. This season or particularly worse. I think they'll just be about the same. But the Armatre always is an interesting one, isn't he? Because... He looks like an absolute powerhouse to me wherever he plays. He looks like he can absolutely scare defences silly. But nobody ever seems to want to keep him. Well, there's um, never any end product with him. He looks yeah. impressive, but there's, there's no goals, there's no assists. Yeah. It's just a big, muscly, oiled-up man running around. He's quick mind, isn't he? God, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. He'd be great at deep, long leg, covering <laughs> the boundary. Yeah, yeah he'd be fine. Nothing could get past him, Sweeping, mate. sweeping on the boundary, you'd be OK. But you, ju- you just wonder, as we talked about earlier, about some managers taking gambles on players by going, I'm going to be the one that gets the best out of them. You just wonder mm-hmm. if you get to transfer deadline day and he's still available is when someone yeah. thinks exactly that and goes for another loan or something. Yeah. 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 Oh, I think you'll find a club. If he leaves Wolves, I think you'll find a club OK. Well, just... Barcelona don't want to take up the option, do they? No, no they don't, no, apparently. Hmm. So, getting finally to Liverpool, so how much are you going to miss Sadio Mane? Oh, hugely. Uh, He's been the key part of um, Liverpool's success over the last five, six seasons. It's really sad to see him go. Um, But the fact that he, he wants out at this stage, fine. He's, you know, he's... He's done what all that he can probably do at, at Liverpool. I mean, it'd be great for him to stay even longer. But like we've touched on in this podcast as well, that players seem to uh, be lasting longer now, particularly in other leagues across Europe. And so going to Germany, if that's what he wants to do, he's probably lengthened his career a little bit as well. Because like strike, thanks Ronaldo, really, isn't it? That strikers just keep going. Basically, sort of in that attack, attacking winger striker mould. He was playing through the middle um, for us. Um, 
what what surprised me, Aid, is I, I wasn't really sure where Bayern are going to use him because he's not going to be an out-and-out Lewandowski replacement as it looks like that he is um, trying to talk his way out in a move to Spain. I mean, I don't know what you think, Steve, because I think like, he has played as a striker, but I would have thought that they wouldn't play in there, particularly if Lewandowski does go and they replace him with Mane leading the line. Can I just no, interrupt okay. with a little bit of a news flash a minute? Ooh. We got this, breaking news. This is a lesson to us all. Never let anybody go out in your car because they might wrap it into a house, especially a Bugatti that happens to be owned by a certain Cristiano Ronaldo. Apparently somebody's driven it, it doesn't specify who, but it's wrapped it into a house and it's virtually wrecked it. So he's 1.7 million or some insurance company's going to be 1.7 million out of pocket. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that, let that be a lesson to us all. Then. Don't let anybody drive your car, right? Carry on as you were, Hilda. So, will Mane be a car crash at Bayern's? Oh, boom, boom. What a link. Uh, you're, you're almost professional. Yeah. <laughs> boom, boom. He's, just, he's just a different sort of player, isn't he? He's a different sort of player to Lewandowski. Um, I don't know what else Bayern have got in the pipeline in terms of recruitment, bringing players in, what they've got in backup, um, even where they intend on playing him or how they intend on playing him. But it, it will be a loss at Liverpool based on of course how he will. well of course um, he will. Darwin Nunes does. If Darwin Nunes comes in and scores 35 goals, everybody say Sadio who? But do you think, I, I, I often wonder what some of these African players, because of their, their sort of background in that, that generally speaking, some of these African players that you know they're just they're kids that happen to have an, a, an abundance of skill and they, they grow up and, and suddenly they you know they get whisked off into professional football and they get used to this money and, and you know from, from a very humble beginning and then they start to get a bit greedy and I just wonder whether he's, he's fallen for the money side of things or not. What do you think? Far be it from me to defend a former Liverpool player but apparently. <laughs> Doesn't he sponsor an entire village or something and gives everybody within that village a, a payout every I season? I think so, yeah. I think, think I think since he's particularly been in England, I think there's been quite a few different hospitals yeah. and things that have been built um, under his foundation. Because um, I, I would actually say the situation with the African players is actually unusually. Adrian, I think you're completely wrong. I think that, that they're the ones that have the greater work ethic not a sense of entitlement that a lot of European players seem to seem to have. They're hungrier when they come over because it is life changing, not just for them, but for their immediate family and, and villages and whatever. So I think I think you're very wide of the mark there, Mr. Hopper. Well maybe his foundation needs a few extra quid and so he's decided to top it up. Possibly. You know? Well <laughs> I mean I don't know what are they paying him a lot more money? I don't really know. I, I think when you've done what you've done at Liverpool, they've been in Champions League final, they've won it, they've lost it, they've won the league, um, the cup, you know, the FA Cup. Um, then maybe you do just want a change of stimulus. You know, yeah. Because yeah. one thing you couldn't say, you know, we talked about Pogba earlier, who's earned <coughs> fortunes for doing virtually nothing. You certainly couldn't level that at Sadio Mane because he works his socks, you know, his socks off every game, doesn't yeah. he? So mm. maybe he just genuinely wants a different challenge in a different environment um, and a different stimulus, you know, and. and People change jobs, don't they? You know, accountants change jobs and go from company to company. It's not unusual for footballers. And he's been there, what, five years? 
yeah, five, six years, I think. Well, of course, you could you could say the same about Lewandowski, really. I mean, he's he's been at Bayern for a hell of a long time, so you know people are saying he's he's being greedy, but maybe he just wants to change. I mean, if you play for a club for so many years, there there must come a point where the the desire starts to run out a little bit. Well, just well he he he's needs just to be a little bit careful. Because I don't know if you've seen, Rick, that he's been pretty much saying everything that he can possibly say uh, in the press to try and get out of his contract. And he's in danger, I think, of it becoming a little bit messy in terms of um, the messy? fans turning on him for the for the legacy that he's left behind. Yeah, I, I think from, from what I've been reading that he's been sort of just saying, look, you have to you have to let me go. Um I've done all I can achieve here. There's nothing for me yeah. here anymore. Like, Isn't that pretty much what I think the last couple of things he said, he's actually stated the fact that he doesn't want to alienate the supporters with wanting a move. He just wants them to understand why he wants to be. Yeah. Well, trying to force the hand, I think. The yeah, question is... There'll come a time when a player wants to stay and the club wants to move them on, or a time when the club wants them to stay, but the player wants to move on. And, you know, you, you've just got to find a happy medium that suits both parties. I think when you look at how long he's been there and what he's done, again, he's at that stage of his career now where he probably doesn't think Bayern are going to realistically challenge to win the Champions League. He probably thinks they'll win the Bundesliga quite comfortably, because they yeah. normally do. So maybe he's thinking, well, what's the challenge? So I'd like, for the last couple of years, I'd like to go and test myself doing something different. So yeah. I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah, I can, to be fair. But Adrian, it's like when that Radio 1 gig comes up and you just won't be able to turn it down and you'll be playing all the top pop tunes and, and Three Valleys would just be something that, you know, it was just a stepping stone on the way to greater things. You don't know how wrong you could be, Rick. <laughs> Will that be the same year that... Radio 1 don't want you. Will that be the same year that Villa win the Premier League? That's it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. As likely. But I, I have to add, though, we have now got a new DJ on, on board. Uh, his name's Will Brummel, and uh, his first show goes out this week, uh, Wednesday, two thirty. So I suggest you all listen. Uh, he's he's our answer well, before, we go, before we go out. Before we go out, yeah, he's he's our yeah. answer to um, John Peel or Whispering Bob Harris. So have a listen. Those are big boots to fill. That's yeah. good. Yeah, well, it is, you know, but this is it. Um, just switching to Yeovil a minute, I did an interview with uh, Chris Hargreaves last week and what a nice man he is. Um, and I'm not just buttering up to him because he's new in the job and all the rest of it. He is genuinely a very nice guy. Uh, and I think he's he's got the right approach. Um, he's trying to battle on. I mean, I asked him one quick question about the, the um, financial stability of the club. And you know he was he was a little bit difficult with that, but uh, you know he's dying to do the best he can with the tools that he's been given. Uh, he's got you know he's got Marcus Stewart there now, as we all know. What do we all think about Marcus Stewart coming back? By the way, Hilda. Yeah, great, great, great um, masterstroke. Really, I think from recognise the fact that I know from his point of view, and I, I'm, and he said it in the interviews that I've seen that he's done that obviously he's got Marcus first and foremost for 
for what he believes Marcus can do and the fact that he's got the connection with the club is almost sort of academic really because wherever Chris would have ended up taking a job he would have liked someone like Marcus to come into the club but I've no doubt that that would have come into the thinking as well and the the fans are obviously just taken to it and quite rightly so and like you said a from what he's said so far and the the players that have managed to be kept on, I think, has excited the overall fans on the pitch because of all the stuff that's going on off it and the uncertainty. I think there is a danger of everyone thought there was a lot of these players who were out of contract who were just going to sort of fade away into the sunset and we'd be left with quite a big rebuilding job. But what do you mean up the 303? Up the 303, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know, but he, he, as I say, I'm, I'm quietly impressed. That, I mean, it's early days, yeah, obviously. No, I think so. uh, but, um, you know, he certainly seems to be uh, heading in the right direction anyway. And, uh, you know, I think if if you come over as being pleasant, you usually are. He's, he's not, he's not a, you know, he's not putting on an act, I don't think. Do you know him, Steve? I don't, if I'm honest. I think I may have bumped into him a couple of times, but I couldn't, I couldn't say I know him at all. Or Chris Todd. Um, yeah. Obviously, Marcus, I know much better, but no, the, first, the two lads I don't know at all. Well, of course, Gary speaks very highly of Chris Todd as well, because um, I've spoken, mm. spoken to Gary about him, and they they work together. And uh, he was surprised that that he left to go to Yeovil. Gary was, so um, you know. But it, it, it's certainly looking at the moment as things stand, after all the the traumas of of the uh, failed takeover bids and whatever else we've had, it does look as though we're kind of heading in the right direction at the moment. What do you think, Steve? I mean, you, you, you know more about it. I mean, and instantly before you carry on, what, what, is, what is a player development manager do exactly? Well, to be honest, that, that would be my question. If, you know, I don't know what the financial circumstances are, but if you're on a hugely restricted budget, um, an additional member of first-team staff without what appears to be a really you know, clearly defined role it can be hard to justify, but as long as they've got a rationale for him being there and the reason for him being there, then obviously that's fine. Um, I think they'll be pleased with what they've managed to retain. Like Hilda said, you know, when you looked at the number of people they were in negotiations with trying to get them to resign, and they've been pretty successful in keeping the vast majority of the ones they've wanted. Um, they've got a couple of decent ones already on two-year deals, so they're already tied up for next year. So at least he's got a starting point, hasn't he, to work from. It's not yeah. like he's, he's got a complete reboot for the whole club to get players in. So I think he'd be quite happy with that. The question will be how big is his budget and how far can he stretch it to get sufficient players of quality in you know, for the season? Because like Hilda said, there's a lot of teams with a good starting eleven in different leagues, but as soon as they start to lose one or two of those players, they struggle. So that'll be his biggest problem, balancing the budget, getting enough players in and making sure the ones he gets in are of suitable quality to make them competitive. Uh, and that's that's a real big task. Well, we can all but hope and uh, look forward to possibly a promotional-type season. So get your money on a Villa and Yeovil double. Yeah, that, oh. that's, there's a better <laughs> I, Yeah. I've just got on the phone to see what the odds are. <laughs> <laughs> if, you'd, if you'd seen my Sky Bet account after Royal Ascot, you wouldn't be bothering me, I could tell you. <laughs> Well, there we go. Anyway, gentlemen, we are running out of time, even allowing for cutting out that peculiar piece in the middle. 
So uh, all I can say is thank you very much for joining us again this week. And if you're listeners, thank you for listening. I'm hopeful I can get this up onto the podcast and you'll be able to listen to it properly. So uh, join us at uh, usual time, Wednesday, 7 o'clock, Three Valleys Radio. Until then, though, next week I say cheerio to Hilda. Thanks, boys. Pleasure as always. Cheerio, Steve. Thanks for your comments. Good night. Cheerio, Ricardo. Good evening. Good evening. And all I can say now is football. Bloody hell. (laughs) 